Well, good morning, wherever you are. We do have a few people. The worship team is here, and uh, I know sometimes people say, I, you know, I talked about Thursday, like, is this discouraging? Does this feel like failure? You have to understand the DNA of this place. The DNA of this place, we've been pioneering for 33 plus 25 years. So what's that, 58 years since Pastor Burke uh, came here in the 1960s or late 50s, whatever it is, uh, late 60s, mid-60s. Whenever Pastor Burke came to today, we've been pioneering. Like we've been, we've been innovating. We've been trying to figure it out. We, we have led people to Jesus using go-karts and skateboards and, and uh, the, the devil's holiday, Halloween, has now been redeemed. That day belongs to Jesus. And we, we talked to thousands of people face-to-face and bless them. Uh, we have had a, a really uh, a great, great stretch. So this, you know, it's weird to be back home. Is this discouraging? No, we are uniquely equipped. We are unbelievably, like, divinely prepared for this moment. So my expectations for this encounter are really actually very high. So I'm glad that you're here. Glad you get to be a part of this. We are going to talk about vision for a month. And I want you to feel that, not just hear that. We're going to spend time together for a month talking about vision, talking about the ability to envision a future, talking about the, the superpower that God has given us to, uh, to, to envision a tomorrow that's different from today. So today we're going to be talking about the God-given superpower of vision. Week number two, we're coming back. We're talking about the long vision of FCC, something that was here before I got here that, that really echoed the cry of my heart, a vision God gave me uh, walking around a parking lot in Prescott, Arizona 26 years ago that God gave to Effie Burke 33 years prior to that, not knowing each other, having never met each other, but the same Spirit of God falling on us and that vision continuing. Uh, on week three, we're going to talk about how to know what God created you to do. And this is what we call why is greater than what. So I read that book or have heard you speak on this before. This this is 2.0. So I encourage you, week three, we're talking about that. And then week four, Jordan Hodges, one of the greatest communicators of his generation, which is a younger generation than mine. He's, he's about Pastor Adam's age. Uh, he's, about, he's old enough to be my son. He's young enough to be my son, but a brilliant communicator and really a powerful leader, visionary. So you're going to want to be a part of these four weeks starting today. So today I want to give you some solid truth. We're going to begin. We're going to talk about um, the importance of vision. Truth number one, if you're taking notes today, and you should be because you're at home, so you can get into the, the junk drawer, grab out the pad of paper, get out your iPad of paper, get out your computer, get out your phone, and let's start talking. Uh, we're, truth number one is this. You have the God-given gift of purpose. The purpose that God has given to you. Can you guys see this okay? I hope we got cameras. The purpose that God gave you is not a burden. It's not like, oh, I got to take care of this. Oh, I got to wrap this. Oh, I got to carry this. The, the, the gift of purpose is a gift. It's not a burden. Uh, think of it this way. When, when God gave Adam the Garden of Eden, he created him in the wilderness. He prepared a garden. He brought the man into the garden so that he would work it. The work that Adam did in that garden was not a burden. Any, if you like working in the yard, I love working in the yard. Yesterday, I got on my Cub Cadet, 50-inch, zero-turn, 18-horsepower, two-cylinder, Kawasaki engine with a, with a grass catcher. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like people say, do you like mowing the lawn? It's like, do you like working with go-karts that have spinning blades of death underneath them? Of course I do. And, and I vacuumed all the leaves and all the nuts. It looked, like, it looked like a tree sneezed in my yard. And 10 minutes later, there were stripes. It looked like a golf course. I, when I tend to my yard, it's not a burden. It's a joy. It's a gift that God has given me. In the same way, when God gives Adam the Garden of Eden, it's not like, oh, and I gotta weed the stupid garden, and I gotta pick the stupid fruit, and I gotta water the stupid pomegranates. It's not. It's a joy. Like, I get to do this? 
When God gives Adam Eve and he brings her in the cool of the day and, and, and he opens his eyes and sees her, it's not like, great, now I got I to mow your yard and take care of your kids. It's a blessing. Now, now let me tell you this. He's got rights and responsibilities. As he's, as, he's redu- as he's increasing the responsibility, he is reducing his rights. But how many of you guys know he's happier because he's not alone? He's happier because he has something that's producing fruit. It's, these are not burdens. These are gifts. When the Lord came every day in the cool of the day, and it was this expectation that we're going to spend time together, the three of us, God the Father, his son Adam, his daughter Eve, all together in the cool of the day. It wasn't like, okay, now i got to go to church, mow the grass, and take care of the kids. It was life, and it was abundant, and something I don't know we're going to be able to really fully understand until we're in heaven. But, but this, it was all a gift. I want you to know this. Hear me. Your purpose is a gift, it's, it's, not, it's not a weight to be carried. Now, I'm, I'm telling you that some things in the box are heavy. I'm telling you some things in the box can be hard. There's seasons the box will lead you towards that have some difficulties. I'm not saying once you find your purpose, you'll never have another problem. Actually, I'd say this. Your biggest problems are on the other side of the revelation of your purpose. But the difference between me caring for my yard and the difference between that and me having a job of mowing somebody's grass I don't care about, it's, it's the same job, but it's not. It's completely different because this is mine. This is my purpose. This is my life. It's a gift to do it. I look forward to it versus I got to go to work now and cut somebody else's yard for the next eight hours I don't care about. So the gift, the gift of purpose, the gift of purpose. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, we're God's workmanship. We know because we talk about this from time to time, the word workmanship is the word poema. We get our modern day word poem. We are God's written by his hand poem, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, before there was a you, there was a purpose for you. And, and you gotta hear that. I don't, I don't care how you got here. I don't care what your daddy didn't say or did say. I don't care what your mama did or didn't do. I don't care what grandma told you were. I don't care what the science teacher, the coach told you, the boss told you. You are a gift presented to the world. You are, you are a person with the gift of purpose. Before there was a you, there was a purpose for you. God did not create you and then try to find something for you to do. There's no busy work in the kingdom. God saw what would be needed in this generation, then he created you, and he gave you the gift of purpose. You have a gift from God called purpose. Second truth, write it down. You have the ability to see a distant tomorrow that is different from the day. Now, think of it this way. Inside the gift of purpose, it feels like Sesame Street, there are certain things inside the gift of purpose. There are certain things that help us, and these certainly will help you see a long ways. These are, these are shooting glasses. So you might notice they're not the kind that fit in your glove box or the kind that barely fit in the back of your truck, let alone the front of your truck. These glasses don't begin to focus until they're about 1,000 yards out. From 1,000 yards out, you can see. So you can see about a mile and a half clearly with these. You couldn't see to the back of the room because they're not made for that. You can see a long ways. Hear my heart. The God-given vision that God has, has given you, that it helps you to see. Like these help you to see a great distance. The vision God gives you helps you to see it through great time. Distance, time. The vision of God helps us to see the future. And you say, well, so we're, we're clairvoyant. We know who's going to win the election. That's not the kind of the future I'm talking about. It's the ability to envision a tomorrow. It's the, it's the ability to dream. And I want you to hear this. We are the only thing that God created that has the ability to dream of a tomorrow that's different from today. My, my bulldog, Charlie, pray for her. She's not feeling well. It's hard to tell because she never moves anyway, but something seems wrong with her. She's, she's more like a, a beanbag chair than, than normal. But 
But I, she dreams. When she falls asleep, she kind of like kicks and she barks, which is funny because when she's awake, she does neither of those things. She, she doesn't bark at anything because it would be too much effort to chase the squirrel. So I'll just, I'll just lay here and want a snack, you know. And uh, so she, she has these dreams, but she's never dreamt of meeting another bulldog in Los Angeles who also sings. <laughs> and, and someday forming this, this wonderful team and having 3.7 children and living by the ocean. And I, she doesn't have those kind of dreams. I, don't, I want you to hear me again. You and I, God's kids, were given something that no, nothing else in all creation has. That is the ability to dream of a tomorrow that's different from today. Yes, the ants store up for winter. Yes, the birds move to Capistrano. Yes, the, you know, the bees know when to kick out the drones to conserve the food. That's, that's instinct. This isn't instinct. This is something divine. As God saw nothing began to speak and something or everything was created, in the same way we have the ability to see something that's not there, believe something that doesn't yet exist, touch something that has no physical tangibility to it, and then begin to move towards that and create it. The best way, I believe, to predict your future is to dream about it and then go create it. Like, what do you want? What do you, what do you believe God wants for you? What's in the box for you? What do you see? And then you move towards it. Truth number three is this. You were created to dream dreams of a world transformed by God through you. I just, I, I love that. Forgive me. This is the stuff that just butters my bread. But I really believe that the most satisfying thing you will ever do is to be the you that God created you to be. And in you doing that, you see his kingdom come and his will be done. This could be through music like we just saw. This can be through loving kids. This can be through volunteering once a month in the nursery. This can be through starting a business. This can be through starting a chain of businesses. This, this, can, this can go by, by meeting someone and falling in love and starting a family. I mean, it's, it's endless, the opportunities. But you were created to dream dreams that, that God wants to change the world through you. The dreams where God changes the world, where kids are fed, where justice comes, where people that hate each other have a conversation and learn they're not that far apart and they can have agreement. Dreams of advancement, dreams of the kingdom, dreams. These are the things that God gives us. These are gifts that God gives us. I would say this, guys, and I'll just say it the right way. The ability to dream is not simply a good thing in a sinful world. It's a necessity. I'll tell you this. I'll I'll predict the condition of your heart, of your soul right now. If you have spent the last six or seven months putting on the COVID-19 around your waist as I have, uh, if, if you have not been engaging your soul, if you've not been exercising not just you know, your body but your heart, if you're just cashing the check and watching Netflix and, and doing nothing, then right now I bet you your soul is in a worse condition than it was seven months ago. I bet you the anxieties and the worries and the pressures and the doubts and the fears that, that have consumed every news broadcast, every print media, every debate of politi- politicians, every commercial that's on, every, if, you, if you have literally, I want you to hear this, if you're discouraged and you haven't been in the Word and you haven't been in prayer and you haven't been living your dreams, your God-given dreams, your discouragement is actually self-inflicted. You did it. You ate garbage and you wanted to have a healthy body. It doesn't work that way. If we eat trash, we become trash. If we eat treasure, we become treasure. When you meditate on the word, Psalms 1 talks about meditating on day and night. He said, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. That those trees that are by the water, the wadis, they call them, the dry creeks in Israel where that was, where that was written. There's these fruit trees, and even though there's no water in the creek during certain times, dry seasons of the year, why is it those fruit trees are blossoming when there's no water? The answer is their roots go deep 
and they find water. Their roots go deep and they store water. In the same way, if you weren't ready for this, it's, it's been killing you since day one, but if you were ready for this, the last seven months have been awesome. We were prepared. We were prophetically prepared by God giving my, my son, Pastor Josh, this thought about Pioneer Again. And if you've seen the t-shirt, it says Pioneer Again. It's like an echo. Pioneer Again. And we laugh about that now. It's such a, both the statement and the artwork are so prophetic because every time we got it, the next week we got a Pioneer Again. Last week, I had no idea I'd be doing it this week this way. We pioneer again and again and again and again and again. And I'm telling you this, those dreams, those dreams, you need good dreams. You need something you're working towards, heading towards, moving towards, because if you don't have them, we were not created to do this. We were created to do this. How do we know where to go? We have dreams. We have a vision. Um, And I'd say this too, that God wants to change the world through you. In our hearts, we know what justice feels like, because in our heart, we know what injustice feels like. We know what fair is, because we've experienced unfair, we, we can tell the difference. Now, is that fair or not fair? There should, be a, there should almost be an outrage or a disgust at things that are unjust and unfair. And in a moment, I'm going to play a clip from one of the greatest speeches in our American history. We happen to have it in video. I love the Gettysburg Address. I love Four Score and Seven Years Ago. I love, but, but let me tell you this. We got this one on, on video. It's terrible video. But you can hear what's being said. And I want you to pay close attention as Martin Luther King standing at the Lincoln Memorial talking to a million people around the reflecting pool all the way back to the Capitol building. He talks about, I have a dream. And isn't it fascinating that as he dreams, a generation, they dreamed with him. Watch this. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, there's reality in a dream. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. You hear the crowd? They're responding to what's true and what's real. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I love that. And, and maybe as you're watching that at home, you're like, hey, I, I've heard that before. I've seen that before. But did you hear what he's doing? He's taking the, what exists today and not saying, oh, it doesn't exist. He's taking what exists today, but he's dreaming of a tomorrow that's different from today. And a nation and eventually a world began to move with him. I love, too, this, this helps me a lot. He doesn't say, I have a plan. <laughs> because often dreamers don't have plans. That's why God created Dina's and you know, Carl's and Jeff's and, and others. But it begins with a dream of a vision of tomorrow where former slaves and former slave owners sitting down 
and, and having the fellowship of brotherhood. That was a dream that was, it was impossible when he said it, and here it is today, not at all even uncommon that people would do that. Um, Solomon says it this way, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, he says, where there is no vision, people just, they perish. Now that's the King James Version. Look at the New International Version. Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there's no dream, where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. You say, that, those sound different. Let's see what Eugene Peterson did with it in the message translation. He says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they just stumble all over themselves. And there's a version I came across uh, recently, the WKJV, says this, when, it, when a person's vision isn't God's vision for their life, they waste their lives running after lesser goals and lesser gods, never achieving the purpose of their creation. In the end, it's as if they never lived at all. Isn't that beautiful? The WKJV, that's the weird King Jim version. I took all the translations. I looked up the original language, and that's really what it's saying. It's, it's not without a revelation, like I need a revelation. I need to read the book of Revelation. I need to know the end times. It's not what it's saying. It's saying that unless your heart is engaged with its purpose, you'll find a lesser purpose and you'll waste your life having never achieved what you're supposed to do. Now let me say this. Some people that have wasted their lives are actually extraordinarily successful in the eyes of the world, but will they be successful in the eyes of their creator who created them? I, you know, the ability to speak, for example, and share the gospel, maybe that's being used in the pulpit, maybe that's like, like Pastor Les is uh, selling cars now, but, but I, I went to go see him the other day. I brought him a luxury lunch. We sat on the tailgate of my truck and we ate Kentucky Fried Chicken. I got a meal for four, and the two of us ate the whole thing. It was beautiful. It was chaos. We, we, uh, we spoke very deeply and richly because we were, we were belching a lot after eating all that mac and cheese. But, but in that, that business, he is just as much in the ministry today as he ever was because Pastor Les doesn't do ministry. He is a minister. He told me, he said, I, everybody that buys a car for me, but believers or not, I know them or not, before they leave the lot, I said, I asked permission, would it be okay if I just pray with you? And, and one by one, there's only one person he hasn't been able to pray with as he sold a dozen or more cars. And complete strangers that just did a car deal said, and he prays around, God, I pray you bless this family. I pray you bless every minute and every mile they spend in this vehicle. May it serve them well. Uh, may, may your love be real. My conversations in this car change the world. In Jesus' name, amen, and hands him the keys. Now, how many of you guys ever bought a car from a car salesman like that? You haven't. Why? Because car salesmen aren't like that. Because car salesmen sell cars, but Pastor Les is pastor Less who happens to sell cars. Um, we've got a lot of dreamers in our community. We've been blessed with a culture that's innovative, that isn't afraid to dream. And, and sometimes it's that middle age where things start to actually start to go, I, I can't envision the next 30 years of my life being like the last 30 years of my life. Maybe we should make some changes. Let me introduce you to some of the dreamers in our congregation, people you might know. Th- this is Desi and Courtney Maynard and their, and their kids. And, and I think you would recognize that that. He's large. I think you'd see that right off the bat. Desi's knees are about the size of his head in this picture. Uh, he was a, a lineman. He's the guy that, you know, the center that hiked the ball and took the hits to the head. And as a school teacher and a, and a weightlifting coach, a football coach, he used all that experience with the high schoolers, and people loved him. His life was good. Courtney's got, a, you know, a, a career. He's got the career, the double income, no kid, or the dink, you know, lifestyle, double income, no kid. But he had that twinkle in his eye, babies start coming. How many of you guys know life gets real? Like, it's not time to dream anymore when you're at that stage of life. It's time to have dreamed your dreams and now be in your responsibilities. But instead, something really tragic happened in Desi's life when his father suddenly and just unexpectedly passed away of a massive heart attack. He, he just started to look at the mortality of his own life. Instead of saying, one of these days I'll have to think about when I'm 90, suddenly in his 30s he said, I think it's time to think about this. And so he did something. He, he got out his visionary tools from his purpose 
And he looked down through time and he said, is this the way I want to live my life? Is this, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Is this who I really am? When I stand before the Lord on my day of judgment, will I have accomplished my assignment? And he realized during that time that changes would have to be made. And so Desi uh, and Courtney, I mean, you, the faith of the man and the faith of the woman, right? Because there, there's got to be a mission for submission. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. You're going to quit your what and do what? He started from scratch. He used to run into him at Starbucks. He'd be there with a journal and a smile on his face, writing stuff. I'm like, what you doing, buddy? Because I, I did his wedding years ago. I met him, did his, his daddy's funeral, did his brother's wedding, so kind of been involved with the family. And, uh, and he goes, I'm, I'm starting a, uh, I'm gonna be like a, a life coach. I'm gonna motivate people. I'm gonna help people accomplish their dreams. I'm gonna, you know, what I did with weights, I'm gonna do with words. I'm gonna, it's gonna be awesome. And uh, Maynard Leadership Institute is born. And I'm like, oh, good for you. And, and, and forgive me for being cynical, but everybody that dreams, dreams. I mean, I just know about 90% of them never get off the ground. Now, this would be good for a week or a month. I run into him a month later. What you doing? He His journal would be full and there'd be like three full journals next to him. He said, I'm getting this. And I got that. I figured it out. I, I'm the lesson. I, I think I'm on the right track. I'm going to, and Courtney's behind me and I'm, I'm getting, signing up my first client starting this week. And sure enough, man, now today, I would have never dreamed this guy that I, I barely knew back then is now an integral part of the staff mentoring relationship. He works closely with our staff. He's, he's helping them accomplish their goals. He's asking the hard questions. He is not our friend. <laughs> when people say, hey, uh, uh, you know, Desi wants to talk to you. It's not like, oh, good. It's like, oh, crud. What, you know, what's he want to talk about? Because I want to do this. I want to help you do this. I, I'm going to ask you the hard questions. He's not a mentor. He's a tormentor. That's his job. And we, we've benefited greatly from, from what he does with, with Maynard Leadership. And, and I, I, I tell you that story not to, you know, go on his website today, but I'm telling you that story because I watched a man have his trajectory of his life going just the way that any other man would want. I've got the family, I've got the career, I've got the house, I've got the property, I've got, you know, time off to go deer hunting, everybody's happy. And God said, is that really the direction you're supposed to go? And as he looked through vision, he realized there was another direction for his life. That's what I'm talking about. There is a dream that is you that God has dreamed. You're the fulfillment of God's dream to attain a purpose. Here's another one, one of our deacons, Chuck and Pam Kova. I mean, Chuck is ingrained decades in the IT business. He's not just an IT guy, he's the big fat panda. I mean, he's, he's like, he's, he's like the, the, the dragon warrior of IT at his company. His company depends on him. They went through a multinational merger. He's the only guy that has the password to the, you know, I mean, he's that guy. And I just watched as God tugged his heart and tugged his heart and tugged his heart. And we, we tried to find expressions for it here. Like, hey, why don't you be like the, the group's pastor? Because he's a pastor. He's not, like, he's not like he pastors. He's a pastor. Like, he loves people. When, when I was discouraged, when I was down, when I was like, I had written part of a book, it became Grace Story. I submitted it to a, um, oh, an editor. And instead of correcting my spelling, she just eviscerated it. I mentioned it in a teaching to men's group one time a couple years ago. I put it down for the last six months. I can't pick it up without hearing her voice. I'm not sure I'll ever pick it up again. And once you know it, people like this guy say, hey, let's go for a walk. We haven't gone for a walk for a while. We didn't walk maybe 100 yards. And he said, so what's going on with the book? I'm like, it's, you know, it's just dead. I told you, you heard the other night. He goes, yeah, that's why I'm here today. We're going to resurrect it from the dead. And he walked me through it. He is now the coach of every church planter that we have in the Michigan district. There's not a church that is planted in Michigan that Chuck and Pam are not involved in their lives. And that was leaving all of that career, leaving all the decades of, and what he knows, and who he is, and just shifting it, because I'm not going to stand before God saying, yes, I coded. Even though that's, there's nothing wrong with coding stuff. But he knew that God's will for his life was more than just writing programs for multinational corporations. His job was to help people find out who they are, their, their passion, their pain, their proficiency. You'll hear more about that coming up in weeks to come. What about this family? As happy as they can be, you know? 
Tammy Cromer's involved in the, the family business and insurance company. Dave's a public school teacher. That's interesting. They're all public school teachers, aren't they? Anyway, they're, they're school teachers, and, and uh, they've got the, the kids and the, the land and the floral wonk and all the stuff that, that people would want. The American dream is theirs. Everybody's happy, athletic, healthy, and then all of a sudden a blip comes on their radar that says, you know, there's, uh, there's people in need in the world. There, there are people that are, are waiting for homes, children that are coming out of situations that need a family. And so you might notice in the picture there, there's a, a photograph that's being held of a little girl. Her name's Clara. And as they brought Clara into their home, as well as other foster kids and adopted kids, I mean, you say adopted kids, they're kids that, that happen to be somebody else's biological children, but they're their kids. And that blips. So, you know, even though our life is everything, we got everything together, everything's right, anyone would want to be us, God said, there's something else I have for you. And Tammy is no longer involved in the insurance business. She now is the, the, the president or the CEO or the, the, the head visioneer of Clara's Hope. And that ministry now has helped countless families. And it's a beautiful ministry. And it came out of everything's fine, everything's good, nothing's wrong, all of our dreams are coming to pass, and then God just put in a blip on the radar that required an adjustment, of course. Without a vision, I want you to hear me, without a dream, without a God-given passion, pain that exercises your proficiency, you'll never be satisfied, no matter how many dollars, how many honors, how many scholarships, it doesn't matter. How many records you sell, it doesn't matter matter. We will only be fulfilled when we do what we're created to do. Whether that leads us to great fame or anonymity is, is, is irrelevant. What is important is that we serve our master. And this last one, uh, you guys know these, Bob and Jen Stregelick. They, they have been, uh, they, there was a couple of ministries started, oh, it was under women's ministry about maybe 15 years ago. Brooke Cook and uh, Rachel Scott, both at the same time, part of the women's conference they were having, said, you know what, we should, we should do some. Let's have a, a diapers and wipers thing. That became the, the baby closet. We had a food ministry. That became the, the food pantry. And as, as they went to plant a church in Millersville, Georgia, and, and revitalize a church in Boise, Idaho, they, uh, you know, those ministries were handed off. And eventually, they came into the hands of these two that you see on your, on your TV set today. Bob and Jen, they just, you know, we've got this heart for people. And Bob was a banker. Bob sat in cubicles and approved loans and looked at long spreadsheets and they live in Grand Blank and their kids are happy and healthy and the, there's no reason to change anything except the life that they were living was not the life that God had them to live. And so everything changed. Everything shifted. Everything moved from what it was to, to what it is. As Rob begins to play this morning, I, I just want to remind you of this. Hear me again. You have the gift of a God-given purpose. You well, I know everybody. No, no, you. On my family, I'm under my husband. I, you know, I'm too young to. No, you. Whether you're a husband, wife, child, in-law, outlaw, you have a God-given purpose. He doesn't waste anything. You're not a biological accident. You're not the result of one too many glasses of wine. You are, as God envisioned it, the proper tool, the proper piece of the puzzle, born for such a time as this, with a purpose on your life that is uniquely yours. You have a the gift of a God-given purpose. You have the ability to see a distant tomorrow that's different from today. You do. Maybe your dreamer is a little bit cracked. Maybe it's a little depressed. Maybe it's a little sad. Maybe it's going through a tough season. But I promise you, just like I have arms, you have a heart. My arms move and so does your heart. It dreams. If your heart is no longer dreaming, something's happened to your heart that needs to be healed. It's okay to take a walk and say, if, if all things were possible, if every job paid the same and failure was never going to happen, what do I dream of 
doing for the rest of my life. I, I don't dare dream because it's so disappointing. Hear me. I'm not saying every dream we dream is supposed to come to pass, but I know, that, I know those dots connect somehow. I know that every bad thing that ever happened to me has prepared me uniquely to be somebody maybe in your life right now, that if I hadn't gone through the addictions, if I hadn't gone through the depressions, if I hadn't gone through the burnouts, if I hadn't, gone, if I hadn't been there and Jesus led me out of it, what would I have to say to you now other than be like me because I have no problems? Well, maybe that's not the best way to speak to somebody that does, right? So in your life, know this. You have the ability, you can, it's in there. Just like you can breathe right now, you can see right now into the future. And the third truth, you were created to dream dreams of a world transformed by God through you. So what are you dreaming? I wish I could sit down right now and there's a big cup of coffee between us. I love this part. What are you dreaming? What wakes you up in the middle of the night doesn't let you go back to sleep. Not, not the worries and the cares, the dreams. What is it that, that you maybe gave up on? Say, well, my dream's dead, Jim. Hey, hey. Understand, dreams normally die in the process of being resurrected by God. Moses, go to Pharaoh and talk to him. He gets there. Pharaoh hates him. The people hate him. Looks like it's over with. But the dream dies a horrible, agonizing, very public death. And then God resurrects it supernaturally through plagues and deliverance and exactly what God sent Moses to say comes to pass. David, you're going to be anointed king. And he pours that horn of oil. You know, it's years after he's anointed, to actually sits on a throne in Jerusalem. And it dies a horrible, agonizing death. The, the king that was there doesn't want to give up his throne. He tries to kill him for years. He chases him. He, he sends armies and assassins. And, but little by little, God leads it back, and there he is in the palace. So a dream comes often and then dies. Abraham, you're going to have descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. And then he says, now take your son, your one and only son, and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham goes, those two things contradict. And, and he's willing to kill his dream out of obedience. And God says, stop, I've provided a ram. There will be a sacrifice, but it won't be your son. I'm telling you, God often gives us dreams that go through very difficult times. And if you have a dream and it's in a difficult time, it feels dormant, it feels like it's in a coma, I'm, hear me, that might be part of God's process. Because if you do it, then praise you. But if only God can do it and he does, then praise God. You see the difference? If I have air in my feet and I can walk on water, it's not a miracle. But if I can't walk on water and God gives me the ability to walk on water, it is. What are your dreams? Don't be afraid to say it out loud. Don't be afraid to write it down. Don't be afraid to share it with the right people at the right time. We'll talk more about that in the times that are to come. But I'll just say this in closing. I think God has a dream. I think God has a dream for you. I think God has a dream about you. I think, I think that God looks at all that needs to be done, looks at what he's given you, your passions, your pains, your proficiencies. I think he's put a big old wrap box that has some things in it for you to, to help you see a little bit farther down the road and some other things will pull out of the box as time goes on in the, in the process. But as we put that back today, I just simply say this. I, I believe that you have a purpose. I believe it's a God purpose. Then he has a dream about what you're supposed to do. But can I just, as we close today, let me just say this. I don't think God just has a dream about what you're supposed to do. I think God has a dream about you. If I had a son and he, and he didn't know me, I'd have a dream about having a relationship with him. If I had a daughter and she didn't know me, I would have a dream about walking her down the aisle and, and talking to her about boys and how evil they all are. You know what I mean? I, I would have a dream about daddy-daughter dances where she stands on my feet and we, we dance to 80s tunes in the gymnasium of some, you know, some stinky, you know, junior high school, elementary school gym. I'd have that. God has a dream not just for you. He has a dream about you. And that is that he would know you. 
that you would know him. So before we go today, I, we're going to work on getting our dreams to come to pass. We're going to talk about in the weeks to come, but let's just close right now talking about God's dream for you. If you're living this life apart from relationship, not I read the Bible or I prayed or I tried or I, I'm a good person, I go to church 1.7 times per month or whatever. If you don't have a relationship with God, understand God's dream about you is that you would. I'm going to ask that everybody, whether you're in this room or watching on TV, if you're driving a car, keep your eyes open, everybody else. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd open the eyes of our innermost being and we'd see who you really are, your face, your hands, your smile, your tears. We'd see we are loved, we are pursued, and this is the moment for us to stop running, to turn around, and fall into your arms and be home for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever to fall into your arms and to be home. If you're not right with God, would you just do that right where you are? God, I'm, I, I just turn from where I am. I fall into your arms as you've pursued me. You don't have to chase me anymore. You caught me. You've won my affections. If you have a dream about me, then, then I'll be honest, I've always had a dream about you. I just didn't think I was good enough. I kept looking at what I did instead of looking at what you've done for me. And every time I saw what I did, I took one step away from you thinking, well, maybe tomorrow I'll be good enough. Maybe tomorrow I'll be close enough. Maybe tomorrow I'll be moral enough. Maybe tomorrow I won't have this nagging sense of sin and evil. But today, I, instead of focusing on what I've done that drives me away from you, I'm going to look at what you've done in pursuing me through Jesus on the cross and giving me your Holy Spirit through leading me here to this moment right now. I fall in your arms. And I'm home. And I'm home. Now I'm going to say amen, but you don't have to. You can stay as long as you like in those arms. You never, ever, ever have to leave that embrace. Ever. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Anytime you're busy and you go, wait, I haven't, I haven't had a hug from God today. You can stop right what you're doing. Turn around and feel those arms again. I pray that you have a great week. I pray that God brings us back together again next week. I pray that God keeps you safe, your, your body and your soul and your spirit. And I pray for you that you dream great dreams because we're going to learn how to live them in the weeks to come. God bless you. Live long, prosper, and we will see you soon.